it's a good conversation um conversation with charles mayer you could check out his book rare candy talking about um, how you just got into videography lately. So how's that going for you? Yeah, video has always been something that I've been interested in. I think I started making my first videos when I was like 12, maybe 12 or 13. And I just found those old like seven megapixel cameras, you know, a little handheld thing. And I would just make a video and YouTube came out with annotations at that time. And I remember I made a video where my refrigerator was talking to me and I was doing it using annotations. And it was it was a new thing. And I realized like, oh, I could make something that I thought was funny or worthwhile on my own. I don't even need another person to film. So then I started thinking about how to just create things that I wanted to see. Like I was just pleasing myself with the production of them on my own. And I played with it. But I've been doing that, like I said, since I was 12, you know, interested in making videos. And as well, as I've heard you say before, maybe in a slightly different way, the act of editing is such a unique thing because we can all film the same content and come out with completely different videos. And so the whole like magic behind that was really interesting to me. But I think in 2017, yeah i made this one video that i just felt was like crazy cool you know i was super into it myself and so i said okay you know this is something that i actually enjoy i'm good at it at this point and i've just been it's a hobby thing you know so i decided that i would look through youtube and i filtered it to playlists and then i saved like eight playlists and overall it was a little bit over 300 videos. And so it took me a month and a half, but I worked through each of those playlists and watched like all 320, whatever it was. And I took notes on it. And then I produced four videos within like the next month and a half. And I was really pleased with those, but I wasn't getting any feedback. So I kind of took a pause because I didn't know if it was effective. It took so much time in every way to set it up, you know, the whole logistics of getting somebody else involved to shoot them, to come up with the idea, post-production. And then I would put it out and it was like minimal on, uh, you know, the, what is it called? Interactions, right? But um, no, it's awesome. I think video is extremely powerful. And so I want to get better at it. I have the opportunity to sit down and study more which is what i want to do and i think for my next project i'm going to create a course i don't know if it'll be just e but but it'll be a course on how somebody with no experience can know the basics of making videos because you can just get the fundamentals right and create something amazing but then it's so funny because the whole tiktok thing what you're on is like it doesn't matter you know <laughs> like all that bullshit doesn't matter all the craft the skills <laughs> kind of falls to the wayside it's like bodybuilding you think you're gonna get you know huge and impress girls and then you just get guys it's those guys <laughs> and it sounds like the same thing that happens to a lot of a lot of uh, creative um endeavors it's like um there's always this this aspect of the artistic, the heavily artistic people that are just 
purists in a sense, I guess you could say. And then there's those, um, there's that aspect of um, people who just quick content, kind of like the difference between writing a novel and writing a newspaper article or something, you know, just hitting the key points in a, in a process kind of way. And it's not right. any very, it's not artistic. So, I mean, there is a skill to that too. I mean, you need to learn the fundamentals to be like a newspaper um, uh, writer or news writer or journalist, but um, it's not like artistic creative kind of skill. And um, uh, I agree with the, like the TikTok video thing. I think it's interesting because I, I do see things that kind of like a language, like everything, everything mm -hmm. that I learned, I don't know if it was natural or whatever, but everything that I learned is usually, um, is usually I break it down like a language. So that, I think that's the best way to learn anything is like, if you first, you learn your ABCs and then you learn kind of like the, the, the grammar, the fundamentals of rules, and then you learn the, um, the way to, to speak and use the ABCs and use the grammar and then speak it. And then you just like enhance your vocabulary. So it's the same thing with, with any process. I find it, it to be kind of like that. Like you, you have to learn the, the very fundamentals and then you figure out how to plug them in and plug and play and then, and then riff on that. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's why I like TikTok right now is because TikTok is, is, is another language where it's like, how can, three seconds like what 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 can you do with three seconds like at what how far can you take it how much can you put in in three seconds four seconds five seconds like right now i was trying to make a video the other day a tiktok video lately i've just been doing a lot of like emojis and and like green screen effects and all this and i just haven't been having fun playing around with that and it's just me messing around on my phone and sure. then, and then i was like oh i'm gonna try something new like how can i really make this into a language like I'm going to try color blocking because I remember in um, I've always remembered this scene from Stanley Kubrick's uh, Clockwork Orange. I think it's the intro where it's just like solid colors flashing like um, red, blue, like primary colors. Right. Like, OK, so I'm going to put solid colors flashing and then I'm just going to very simple text and then let's see how this works and just put sound. So like probably trying to make it not even in your face overwhelming, but just simple like language, like how can I make it? So where people, I get hook people for this long, you know, it's like creating your own language and like taking it further. So it's like, it's, that's why, what I think is interesting. So, I mean, I did it, but it, it the, the, the clip I took, it, it, I guess it fucked it all up. So I had to do it again, but it, it, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> so what do you, um, with the, this whole videography, like creative endeavors things, is that for you, is it just like a, a passion type of type of project or is this your creative outlet or would you want to uh like what's your goal with that do you want to make film make art uh is yeah. just uh something you're learning yeah it's been a hobby up to this point i haven't gotten paid for anything i've done and i think it's what i'm best at which is why i've put so much focus on it i think that i enjoy it the most as well i've told myself that i need to go to bars and businesses and tell them hey, if you need a videographer, I can make that happen. If there's any event happening, I can make it happen. But you know, we've talked about it. I have a lot of freedom, so it's not a necessity, which allows me to step away from it. But then it just, 
is a point of me coming back to it to develop that skill. So I'm in between. I feel like I should develop it because I think it's so important. And especially because of where we're headed, everybody seems to be a brand at this point. And so the way I see my videos is that it's sort of a lifestyle production. You're just putting into film how your life feels and that's interpreted by how it looks in the video and that personifies who you are, but it's also a way to play pretend, you know? So if you want to be viewed as something, you can create a video of you doing that thing and make it extravagant and it'll lead to it. <clears throat> it's like any commercial, you know, they hype up what it is, but I think it would make sense to do it in the world we're headed towards. I don't see careers being the staple. It won't be the majority for so long. It'll be more like everybody is an entrepreneur, but not so flashy or sexy or like the way people think of it. It's going to be a portfolio. You'll just have all these different things going on on the side. And I don't know if I want to focus so heavily on videography. I think it's just a way for me to highlight what I'm doing. And what I want to do next with it is actually create videos that are broadcasting a message, sort of like Inception, how they'll put it in the dream and then it comes into their waking state and they feel as if they've thought it on their own. Videos are such a great way to send a message without saying anything or without them reading a text that says that. And then you have the mm. whole feeling aspect to it. Instagram just announced that they're no longer a picture platform. They're a video platform. Exactly. Exactly. It's for sure headed that direction. Vertical, vertical media, fun. vertical film. That vertical, yeah, yeah, vertical yeah. media. That, man. Yeah, really. And once we get to AR and VR, it's only going to build out. It's interesting. Yeah. Video is for sure something that is, I don't know if I want to say underrated, but overlooked, certainly. Yeah. And and it, it's definitely something that I like for my podcast. I have a podcast with my girlfriend called uh, Post Hesitation, which kind of it, it, it basically what we what I've uh, explained in the beginning is this whole aspect of after hesitating, after doubt. Right. And in that there's a few episodes where I go into like my reasoning by like choosing film too. Uh, the reason I, I, cause I, when I got into film, it was just a business. Like I was like, okay, so the future is creativity. People are making their own uh, brands on YouTube. Yeah. I need to learn all this multimedia skill set, and I need to uh, figure out how to, you know, use this to survive in the future. So I was learning it. And then as I was learning it, I uh, started studying marketing first, you know, marketing film, all this. And when you study marketing, it's basically the storytelling, like everything is the same thing. And then you read books like Sapiens and it says everything is narratives. And so everything at a certain point, you just studying narratives. So it's like, okay, once I started studying like screenwriting and learning how to do screenwriting, it's basically like a marketing class or a psychology class, like screenwriting uh, or just writing, creative writing in general. It's like really interesting in that way. And um, it, it's exactly what you said. It's like how film one of the key points they show you in the screenwriting class or writing class is like show don't tell, right? It's like any, mm. you hear that around in any, any book. It's the best way to convince somebody 
is not to give them the, the information directly. It's it's to uh, show them or or just kind of like passively like plant those seeds exactly how you said with like with a nice with a good film you put certain ideas in a good film mm-hmm. and you can influence a generation of people you know you have kids who watch the movie rocky in, in the 80s and they're in uh czechoslovakia wherever the hell they are and then they're waking up at four in the morning drinking eggs and running because they want to be like rocky and you do this for a generation it influences however many people's in their mentalities you know so yeah. that's kind of why i chose film and then once i got and to a certain point, I'm like, okay, I saw the artistry in it. And then it's just like a full expression, creativity. And that is also another reality that I see. It's like, that is more true than true. How they say fiction or a good piece of fiction is realer than reality itself. Cause it's like distilling reality into its key points. Right. So it, 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 at a certain point when you're making these things, it's like realer than real. And that's, uh, that's what started. That's the path I went on, and I got into photography as a um, like instant gratification form of that, because that's what photography really is. It's instant gratification of filmmaking because mm-hmm. it's all the same elements. And the video thing is just like I think it's cool, so I want to make something cool. When I look at, I have the same approach as you do. It's a shotgun approach. It's just trying to think about what I want to do. It's been on my mind so much. So that's why I take pause because I've been trying to think about it in the past couple of weeks. Like, where do I want to go from here? I, it's funny because getting myself to this point, I made so many sacrifices and I was like, okay, if I do these things, I'm going to put myself in a position where I can do whatever I want. And now I'm in that position and it's different than I thought it was going to be. And it's also more difficult than I expected it to be to decide because there are so many options. And with the whole, the way things are headed, there's so many unknowns and that this will segue into the playing mid thing, but there's so many unknowns and people, especially zoomers, I feel like only respond to the instant gratification. And so, man, it's like, it is, it's a utility, but it's, it's an artistic, it's all of it because I'm using it to create the things that I want to create. And the utility is that I'm creating a visual environment or a sort of culture for myself. There's, I think it's a German word, umwelt, which describes your environment in such that it affects you. So the environment you're in dictates your thinking and you modifying your environment changes how that stimulus impacts you and impacts your way of thinking. That's a big part of what I'm trying to do with the video, but there's so many things. And a large part of it is I thought about if, you know, praise God, inshallah, I get to that point. I have kids and if something were to happen, I wanted to have this library of all types of media that they could refer back to. And it's sort of like uploading, really when you create anything on the internet, you're exporting your consciousness. And so instead of having just one sensory, you know, with the podcast, it being sound, instead of just one, whatever, I wanted it to be a whole repertoire. So That's what I was having trouble vocalizing before. But the mid thing, Mm. as it leads to there being so many options, 
the mid perspective is that we're living in a time where the path that our parents took, which is go to school, probably find the person you're going to marry there, uh, maybe marry them before you graduate or graduate, marry them, get a house, have kids, isn't available to us. You can do it, but the the input versus output is just not the same as it was. So largely prices for things, it's just so much harder to afford to do that in that way, you know, following those steps. Whereas the same time, we can't do what we're going to do 15 years from now because we're not in that world. We're in the mid section. So you can't play fully defensively which is what our parents did. You can't play fully offensively where it's like, you're just making media, you're doing, you make this thing and you get, um, you know, two cents tip from all of your followers and that's one income stream. And then you post this blog post and, you know, it's behind a half of a penny paywall and 10,000 people pay for it. And now you've made, you know, however much money that comes out to. We're not there yet. We are sort of, but we're not into the tokenized world and it's not hyper-connected. So I said 10,000 people, that sounds like a lot, but you have to consider that a lot of Eastern Europe and Asia and South America and Africa don't have internet. And that's billions of people. I'm sure they're interested in what's going on in America. I'm sure they're interested in what's going on in uh, you know, Southern California or Texas. And if you can capture that attention, and it only costs them half of a penny to get it, you know, they're probably cool with that. As it relates to soccer, that's the position, you know, you understand it. I think other people do. It's where you stand between offense and defense, and you have to decide moment to moment which way to play that benefits your team, yourself, you know, as things are going on. You just have to make that decision. But it's an integral point. Mid is such an important point. I started playing soccer, I think when I was six and I was D, I was right D and I was so apprehensive to do, there was the hesitation. That was like the age of my life when I was hesitation, right? Now it's post hesitation. But at that point, I was so apprehensive about taking on another responsibility because I knew that it was hard, but also it's a team sport. So if you don't play well in your position, that's not going to work out well. And if you do well in your position, then you benefit the team. I was comfortable with defense, but at some point, one of my coaches was like, Hey, we need somebody up on mid. I had no idea what it was. And I found myself in that point. And I've recently gotten into game theory, but I understood the premise intuitively. Well, well can you, would you um, describe game theory? Cause I, I've heard that before, but it's just the, like strategy or is it something? Yeah. Like- so it, Game theory is a lens to view life and really how to dictate your own actions as it relates to any sort of game. It doesn't have to be video games, you know, it could be board game, whatever, but games typically have the same sort of things going on. So there's a team and you have rules and you have the metric for winning. And what happens is the same every time after somebody wins, the game ends and you recognize that it was a game and it's like this whole contained thing. And that's the game. And the theory is that you can play your life and make choices in the same way that you make choices within a game. 
And so what works on the soccer field also works in real life. Now it's not just soccer and it's not even sports. It's not just games. There's a skill transfer for all of life. But game theory is just a mode of considering how you decide and how you view what's going to happen in your life. And so the main concept that comes about is short-term and long-term. You can take these short-term actions. You can use all of your ammo right here to beat this whole enemies, but then you have to fight a boss in the next room and you just used all your ammo. So that's short-term, right? It's easy to just mob through them with the machine gun, but now you don't have the machine gun for the boss. And so it leans more towards how do I develop a strategy to do this? But the biggest point beyond that is an infinite game. So in a finite game, I win, you lose, game over, right? It's a win-lose scenario and it's contained by time, rules, all these different things. Whereas an infinite game persists indefinitely and the rules are constantly changing. And so playing an infinite game is like playing a long-term game with the intention of never ending the game. Meaning you just can win throughout it, like moment to moment as the game is being played, you can be in the winning position. But the idea is to play a game so that it never ends. And you end up in a win-win position because if I defeat my opponent, that is a finite game because now I have nobody to play with. It's just me. My opponent's done. You know, they have, they've spent their resources or they're dead, whatever it is. But in an infinite game, I play in such a way that I set myself up to persist indefinitely, but also I interact with my opponent in such a way that I'm kind of maintaining that, you know, that whole thing. And it relates a lot to business, but. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. Um, I kind of also, from my own experience playing soccer too, um, well, I started um, when I was like nine or 10 um, playing soccer and uh, I realized that how much I took for granted in that experience of learning and going through the motions of like competing and playing um just obsession because at first it wasn't even competition it's just it became as an obsession mm. and then it becomes competitive once you start to see okay so now it's kind of fun because I kind of got good at it and now I'm seeing other people that are good I'm like oh well I kind of want to want to uh, do this and be better in this way and do this and that. So it's like a little, it's fun little game, but it's funny how all these uh, things you learn through that experience kind of um, translates across the board and even little tactics, even little things that kind of like how the art of war is, is just principles, but you apply them across the board to anything. Mm -hmm. So it's these principles that you learn in competing in a sport like soccer, and you could apply them across the board to any, any situation. And even like, Lately, the past few months, I've been learning boxing. My friend of mine, he does a lot of martial arts, and he um, been, has been teaching me boxing. And I realized that, and I started, and when I learned something, I like to go on forums and like figure it all out. And and I right. went on Reddit, and then I went on this this subreddit, and then it's like this guy was talking about, okay, so how how do I um, faint uh, effectively, or how do I f learn how to body faint properly? And then I'm like, well. In soccer, I, I remember doing a lot of feints too. And, and I was like, okay, so what are the principles that I was taught in soccer? 
because it, it, a 1v1 situation is what is boxing and it's also what you have in soccer you have 1v1s and the same principles that apply in a 1v1 are going to apply in a 1v1 across the board in any realm right so it's the same same exact principles so okay so if i so and i realized when i was doing boxing with my friend i would faint naturally in a way that was advanced for my skill level because i was already i'm already used to the the 1v1 mm-hmm. dynamics mm-hmm. so it's like so it's like Okay, so when you are supposed to faint, I I just broke it down what I do in soccer. Okay, so when you're supposed to faint, I, I replied to this guy, and I said, um, it's it, it's this um this quick faint, and then it's an explosion out. So anytime you do a trick or anytime you do a juke, you you do the juke and then you explode out, right? So it's a it's like that change of pace is what gets past the person so it's the faint and then you explode out so he's like okay so you faint and then you you set up for a punch or whether it be an angle change whether it be this or that so same principles are going to apply when you juke somebody out or when you're trying to land a punch through a faint it's it's you do the thing and then you change the pace immediately explosion and that's what we're drilled in in soccer it's like okay if you're gonna try to go get past somebody give it that little that little juke whatever faint and then you explode right out, and that explosion is what's what's gonna make you get past that person or make you land that punch. And then um, a lot of people really resonate with this kind of breakdown. But uh, yeah, it, from that my own experience, I've realized how much is so valuable from from these um, from playing these sports like coming up. And um, I just really wish that I had more guidance. I guess I had more. Um, <laughs> I, I had more guidance in that realm because I think that um, at least soccer in the United States, I feel like um, it's limited not because of the talent pool, but it's limited because of the infrastructure. There's just no infrastructure. Mm-hmm. It's it's like if you are good at, at basketball, if you're good at baseball, football, like you can get pushed through the system. Like they'll push you up. You're going to land in some college. If you're good at soccer, you're there's a lot of great players that I've seen that could have been pros they're mechanics right now they're plumbers or something right. you know it's, it's not it's not the same system so it's like that's why america's not it's not that we're not good it's that um the system is not there it's really just not there yeah yeah and that's such a big thing with the whole premise of playing mid that's how you cannot go to the advanced world yet you may have the capacity to do it and you may even have ten thousand fans which you can do it in a different way but it's not as clean because that infrastructure is not there. So what mm-hmm. world do we move into, man? <laughs> I don't know. The mid, know. the mid thing, my advice in the book, you know, you're talking about rare candy. Um, if you throw it up, yeah, book. I'll put it on mine. But yeah. in the end of that book, my advice for how to play mid, how does that relate? What is a faint like in real life? What is, you know, how do you actually do mid? Mm-hmm. Well, what it is, is you have to prepare. And I don't know how but you have to do it. I think everybody knows internally what that means for them. For me, after contemplation, I realized that it's gonna be health, wealth, and communication. And a big part of that was the movie Her, honestly. And I know it's just a movie, but it's, you know, I don't wanna go too deep into the waters, but movies have been, it's like propaganda. Movies are powerful, right? So when I saw that movie, it made me consider what a world would be like in a very cold technology future. So there's minimal touch 
and everything is surface level, it's shallow. And I realized that even now where things are kind of okay, people are still willing to pay for human services. So in Japan, it's an area where it's really prominent. You can go pay to have a girl just talk to you for an hour as if she knows you're already. And, you know, therapy being so big, I know that there's true um, honors to it, but I think a large part of therapy is just having somebody that is actually a good listener. You know, it's so valuable and who can objectively respond to you. And there's no need to maintain a relationship. So a lot of times we'll communicate with somebody in a way because we're trying to accentuate our own social standing, you know? Um, and that's why people like people who speak their mind because it's like, oh, they just don't care. It's seen as a form of power. But I was curious, what is that world like in a cold touch future? How can I set myself up to thrive in that world? And I realized that if I developed my own capacity to communicate and really to be warm, you know, an empathetic human, particularly good at um, receiving input, you know, when you're listening, like to actually understand all the channels, the tone, the pacing, the body language, the content, the meta message that's going on there. I knew that was going to be so powerful. So that's where it shifted to. And then also the the other side of it is people are still going to want to present themselves properly. And so that was a big reason I got into video as well, because everything is on the net. And so many of my female friends would say like, oh, I want more friends. And I'm like, okay, like <laughs> go meet them, you know, like go meet them. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, I, don't, I haven't made a friend since high school, you know, or like freshman year because I met somebody at orientation Damn. or they were in my dorm. And most people don't know how to make friends. And so, so many of my female peers were relying on these dating apps to meet people, you know? So that is just you putting up an advertisement for yourself. And many of them, it's just like a picture and a couple words. But I understood that being able to help somebody present themselves, they want to be seen is also going to be very valuable in the future. And so I know right now, although I haven't gotten paid for it, though I could very well, I know that in the future, having the skill set to produce a high quality video for somebody that just showcases their lifestyle or shows them off on the internet where people have that distance, it's going to be so worthwhile. And so I think like you, um, with media, how you took that shotgun approach, that's kind of the approach I took to life. And so to play mid, going back to it, coming full circle, my advice is take a shotgun approach, see what hits, and then focus on like at most three things, but go all in. So for me, it was health, wealth, and communication, but for you, it could be something else. And the idea is that you can't do what our parents did. I don't see college lasting like five years from now. I don't think going to a college is going to be at all the same. So you just can't do it. And we don't have the infrastructure, like you said, to immediately jump into the new world. So you just have to prepare for it. And I don't know exactly how, but you've got to do something. You just you have to do something to prepare for it. Otherwise, you're going to end up in a position where 
you know, your social credit score when those gets rolled out are shitty, which means a variety of things. Basically, your whole life is just in a bad position, but also that you don't want to be reliant on the universal basic income because at that point, it'll be all electronic. And if they don't like what you've done, then they just shut your account. And now suddenly you have no means to trade. And I think with the whole like sphere of attention in media, it seems crazy because to me, because so many people only want the three second thing. And I think that being able to focus and being able to intend where your attention goes is that alone will make you a very, very powerful person 20 years from now when everybody is like, um, you know, their synapses are fried from dopamine and they have no attention span and everybody's depressed. Everybody has anxiety. Everybody's sick. Just being able to decide how you want to do things and actually follow through and maintain your focus is going to be such a worthwhile thing. Yeah, there's so much I want to say, obviously. I um, that kind of uh, brought me back to this idea of, um, so what is the, what is the cause of that? And what is, what could be a solution to that? Cause I feel like a lot of the, um, the anxiety that people feel, the depression, uh, this sort of fried dopamine, uh, system, it, it has to do with how, how tapped in we are to the virtual reality. And not only that, it's how, it's, it's how tapped in we are. But I also think the anxiety aspect, it has to do with this sort of the fact that, um, social media and our phones makes make us kind of exist in our own little universe. So we're all like, um, it's so selective. It's so individual, kind of like how there's this documentary. Right. I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix. You know what I'm talking about, right? The, yeah. I haven't um, seen it though. Yeah. So it, it's basically about algorithms or social media stuff. I forgot. I even forgot the name of it, but it's roughly says how, it kind of breaks down how everybody's reality is shaped by their phone and how it's so like specific to your existence. Kind of right. how like we say when we when we uh, get these ads, when we say a certain hot topic and we get an ad later, whatever. But it's so detailed into how how um, how our lives are, and uh, I think that that causes this weird sort of always your engine's always running. Cause I remember yeah. being a kid and I remember not having social media and, um, it, it felt way different, man. Reality just felt way different. I don't know what it was, but it's like, it had, there was a calmness. There was like a moments of like stillness. There's moments of tranquility. And now it's like, there's always like this idle engine. It's like, you never. it's like parking the car, but never turning the engine off. It's always like right. this idle, like, and yeah. it's, you're always using fuel. So you're always tapped in and it's just, fully draining and it's like when you're actually tapped out of that it's like life is actually has its own rhythm and you kind of are like oh shit like but when you're always tapped into this machine that's like you're you're uh it's a whole different life experience and i realized even last night i was like sitting there i was like fuck like thinking about how i'm not doing anything right now it's like nighttime but i feel tapped into something you know i feel like nuts things are moving a mile a minute and i'm just tapped in somehow and it's not going to stop so how does right. that uh, how do you deal with that and um i think moving forward in the future i think society 
I, I've posted a few things about the pendulum swinging, and I like to be kind of trolly. I like to be kind of exaggerated. Um, cause I, I grew up on forums, you know, I was 16 years old, I was on forums. So right. I'm, I was a big troll and I, I rose through the ranks on the forum, just trolling, just harsh. I was, a I was always been a harsh troll. And, uh, so I like to poke, poke, poke at people, but I, I like, I like to like to mess around. I'm not gonna take too serious. And, uh, but I, I think the pendulum is swinging in terms of, um, like individualism, like this pure individual, like state of being, like. People get confused when I say individualism because I don't mean like you're not like you have to work on yourself. But when I mean about individualism is like this idea of um, you, you always come first. And I think there's a reality in the fact that once we get into more like a communitarian or like a, I guess a more simple word is tribal, but that's kind of sounds kind of primitive. Um, but this sort of tribal state of being or these tribal ideals like mixed in with mo- in like a modern take on it. I think that's what we're headed towards. I, I, yeah. I think that that's a natural progression. Right. Because even as humanity expands, maybe in the next hundred years, thousand years to throughout the universe, we're going to real, we're going to be even more tribal because if it's like a star Wars existence, we're all going to be from the earth. So we're all going to be another tribe again. So it's right. like, now we feel like we're not a tribe anymore. We feel like we're all individuals and this person's from this place, this person, that place. But it's like, eventually we're all going to be from earth and we're going to be a universal uh, species or whatever. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's probably the answer to that. Those depressed, depressive states. And those um, it's a, a, an idea of selflessness, of an idea that you're not the end all be all an idea that you're all connected to something. Right, right. And that for me, that's the future. And for me, I see kind of even swinging, even these individualist thinkers like uh, Jordan Peterson and the, things like that. If you see their progression, they all end up in the same place. They all end up in like, oh, well, we maybe we got to be more selfless. Because if, if you see that he had a mental breakdown, right? right? Uh, Jordan Peterson had a mental breakdown. And if you see his, his last few interviews, he talks about his new his book, Beyond Order. And he says that, okay, yeah, well, when I had that breakdown, people came out of the woodwork that I never thought that would be there for me. And it's an amazing experience that I never I saw things in people that I'd never seen before. Right. So it changed this whole idea of what it, people are capable of and what um, community is capable of, like how selfless people can be. So his new book, he said he he took on more communitarian ideals. Mm-hmm. And even Nietzsche, Nietzsche was also the also, he said that, oh, like if for you to express yourself in your best capacity, you have to be, um, you, you're not bounded by morality. You, the superior individual, superior man has no morality. It's not bounded by anything. You express yourself into the world how you choose to. That's how it is, it is to be. But that's like a pure individualist state of being. It's like you're not worried about anybody else. Right. And if you see how he kind of, how his story goes and how he ended up, his last act that brought him into insanity, I guess, was essentially a selfless act. I guess the story goes that he saw a, a horse being whipped and he, that was what made him snap. He, he went, he snapped. He's like, he, he went to go run and hug the horse and say, I feel your pain. I feel what you're feeling. So this is obviously not an individual. He's feeling compassion. He's feeling empathy for an animal being beaten. So it's like, that's what broke him. That's what sent him into a spiral. And he went into psychosis or whatever. And so it's like, you're seeing these patterns of these people who are so self-obsessed and then they break. And what do they start saying? They start saying, oh, we got to be a tribe. We got to look like in the same tribal, raw human truths. And if you see society and you see how society um, upholds these, these individuals who are just playing family roles, right? So 
it's like it's like American mainstream American society is always looking for a father figure. And where do they right. find these father figures in the military guys like Jocko? Right. Jocko's he's nothing new. He's not uh, um, he's not reinvented the wheel like he's a successful guy, but he's not reinventing anything. He's, Jocko is playing the role of a good father and America doesn't have a good father. So what what does he do? So he takes the role of a good father. And what is a what is the father role in the military? The military is a family. The military is raw in its raw essence, in its raw survival essence. A military is a family. It's brotherhood. It's, okay, this person's going to die for me. This person's going to die for me. Even if I like them or not, like, we're on the same situation. Like, that's a family. That's selflessness as a tribe. Who is this person leading us? That should be our father figure. So what role, what characteristics does Jocko take on? He takes on the, the characteristics of the father. What characteristics are missing in modern American society? The father, okay, so now he, this guy's the most popular guy teaching um, CEOs how to be fathers, essentially, through the guise of business. Right. So it's like you realize how everything's going back to this communitarian, this tribalism. Like you were reinventing the wheel, essentially, when that's our raw truth. So that's kind of another take on where I see the future kind of heading. Yeah. What do you think about that? So I've been listening over the past day, two days that episode you have with Eric and you mentioned how idealism brings on a lot of troubles and I hadn't even considered it because although I am Hispanic I've lived I would say like although I don't really feel like it I have to be objective and say that I probably would be identified more as white than Hispanic but the tribe thing is so big. You you read what is that? What's that one? The talent code. You read talent code. code yeah. He's always he's also got this uh, book called Tribes. And a lot of what I'm trying to do is just create content for the tribe. And I've recognized that I can do well in position. And so again, to the game theory thing, a lot of what I'm doing right now is so that I can refer people or begin creating a culture for those tribes because I know the fracture happened. It's evident in our country on a government level. You can see states are already largely disagreeing with the federal mandates for all these different things and taking their own lead. I think that is a reflection of what's going on within us. Then it's funny you talk about the individualism because in is it the indian the indian religion with multiple gods hinduism in hinduism mm -hmm. there's a belief that there's these yugas which is four major cycles in time and i can't remember the span of them but it's something like 136,000 years every 136,000 years we change yugas and so the top one is the gold and the bottom one is like iron and apparently the Kali Yuga is the one we're in now, which is the lowest, this iron world. And the way it goes is that this top one is like enlightenment and it's the most holy. And then down here is hellish. And so it's as if we're living on the highest level of hell. And this one, the experience of being in earth is like being in the lowest level of heaven. Right. And then these are just kind of these in-between points, the other yugas. Well, the idea is that in the highest yuga, demons don't even exist on earth. Everybody is connected and we're all chill with each other. And then on the lower level, just under that, 
the demons are in other countries. So it's like you as a nation, there's still this cohesion and there's a, there's evil, but it's it's oftentimes in a faraway land. And then the third one is that the, there's a demon in your family. It may not be you, but somebody in your family, this people that you're connected to, so has that darkness in them. And then the lowest one, the one we're apparently in, the Kali Yuga, is that the demon is inside all of us. So it's funny mm. how that mm. parallels with what you're saying, the dangers of, or the misgivings of individualism. But um, just to say, just to say what people could do if they're feeling anxious or depressed, I think a large part of it is that you have to pull out the weeds. You just have to get rid of the the what's considered normal in our society and a large, largely beneficial thing you could do, which nobody, like very few people will commit to. And so that makes it all the more worthwhile is doing a dopamine fast where the only thing you can do for 24 hours is drink water, go for walks and write. That'll clear your shit up, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just like what's considered normal is so just so fucked in it. Like, look at what normal is created, you know? Exactly, you exactly. Fuck. So like, why do we want to keep doing it? Well, because that was the defensive position. Like we thought it was good. Our parents did it. You know, it's just being fed down the pipeline. Exactly, man. It, it, the past few, the past few months, it's been like an, another little uh, awakening for me when I've been um, learning about all this, like including what you kind of put out too with your with your book and your podcast. And um, it's this aspect of oh shit, everything that we've been taught is okay is almost like upside down, and it's yeah. it's um it's this weird thing where you have to doubt everything that's that's normal or considered normal just like you said right my girlfriend she's like she'll be like oh you think everything's a conspiracy and i'm like it is (laughs) (laughs) i know it it, yeah (laughs) yeah, and it's both facts too you know like just to touch on it because it's the most recent thing and i mentioned earlier the topic with eric um you know the whole manosphere thing it's like Neither side is correct, you know, both feminism yeah. and meninism or whatever, MGTOW, whichever flavor you choose, they're both fucked, you know? They're both Neither fucked. Side. They're both fucked. And it's both like, but what's crazy is in their essence, they're both so totally right and worthwhile and true. It's like, yes, of course, we should be equal in our opportunity and equal in all these different respects and we all deserve respect and all these things. It's like, yeah, absolutely. But then it's so corrupted. And yeah, so so much of what I'm trying to do again with the tribes thing is create this whole other culture that's like turn on, tune in, drop out, right? Like let's mm-hmm. do now do the dropout part. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that's that's interesting that you actually brought up that point because that's kind of the same place that I've kind of came to. Cause that whole interview, because you okay, um, what do you think of that interview actually? Because it so that for people who are listening, the interview is um an interview on my podcast, Formless Archive, you can find on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. There's a video version, but it's a, um interview I did with um, a guy, a poet by the name of Eric the Genius. And he basically uh, said the Red Pill book changed his life. And we just went on a whole uh, kind of like a jazz type of conversation on these different topics. And it was a really interesting interview for me. And um, yeah, it gave me a lot to think about. And there's a lot of things that I said there that 
I still hold true. And there's a lot of things that I'm, I kind of unpacked now a few weeks later that, okay, so I understand it differently. And, um, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing. I just want to know what, like, did, what did you think about the the interview? Yeah. So, you know, without speaking on Eric, he has his own views. So I don't want to, like, I, I, you know, I already said, like, I think he knows too, but like the Manuswood thing is also somewhat uh, corrupted in its own sense. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was listening to it, obviously, because uh, I listened to the post hesitation and I started the Fuology one. And so mm-hmm. I was just yeah. kind of tapping in and seeing what was going on and also of maybe how this one would go. I didn't know what it was going to be about at all. You know, I just saw that was the one you had. So I hit play. Mm-hmm. I... I totally get it, but I know that it's it's a deviation, you know, and almost any any line of thought is. And what I mean by that is if you narrow your ideology in one direction, it's wrong. Right. And it wouldn't matter what it is, you know, not even in regards to you, myself, or Eric, but if you decide that liberalism or conservatism, or Christianity, or whatever you choose, if you only see the world and act as if that one thing is true, you're just going to end up in a bad place. But I know the power of it is so true, because that whole sphere woke me up a lot too. And when I was probably a senior in high school, I thought that I needed to be bowing down to women and I thought I needed to be more feminine and I thought it to be a good little boy and, you know, hush and act a certain way to appease women uh, because I, like, I, I wanted them so much. Right. And everything was telling me like, Oh, do this, do this. But uh, it's actually crazy, man. Like just to briefly say the point without going into it, MK ultra wasn't so much a trauma conditioning. It was just realizing that the human psyche can be kind of segmented, fractured or compartmentalized and then programmed. And so Eric's whole thing was like, at some point I realized that the movies were wrong. And when we watch a movie, so this is why I make videos and why I think it's such a powerful thing. When we watch movies, our brain doesn't know that it's a movie. It's just it's just more visual data. We think we're seeing it as if it were our own life experience. And so everything that happens in a movie and particularly the the choices that are made. So X happens and then the actor chooses Y and it turns out this way, our brain logs that as a legit thing and as a legit memory. And so Mm. for a lot of people, so much of what they do, they do because they saw somebody that they admired do it in a movie, or it was an ideal that they appreciated. And so they bought into it. And that goes into the power of the dopamine fast, because you stop receiving input. And now suddenly, you're just digesting. I don't think I've done a dopamine fast. Things like that for me are very complicated dopamine things, because I've been learning a lot about well, be- actually, before I get into that, I just want to elaborate off that first point that you made a, a few minutes ago, which is uh, how the masculinity and femininity are the right in their own way and they're wrong. And I yeah. kind of, um, I, I agree with that too, because um, when it comes to um, Eric's ideology or the red pill, 
yeah, I do. I did tell him, I said, okay, so yes, I, I, a lot of the things you're saying are very like true and they're very like practical. It's practical knowledge, practical applications. Like it will give you better results with women. Um, practically speaking, it's, I mean, if you want to break down morality, morality, ethics, it's, you could get different, but if you just want practical knowledge, that's practical knowledge. Right. Um, but if you want to break it down, you want to think about it. It's uh, very one dimensional. And at the same yeah. time, it's like, uh, I do think masculinity and femininity are ne- nece- uh, necessary concepts for people to to sort of re- wrestle with and, and sure. understand. But I do see masculinity and fem- femininity as Tom and Jerry. Like you kind of basically that's what you just said right uh, a few minutes ago. It's um, they're both right in their own way, but they're both they put they could both never catch each other. And mm-hmm. one is always chasing the other and they're always going through these motions and they're always going and one and, but when they catch each other, they don't, they don't know what to do with each other and they don't, and right, right. it breaks the, it breaks the whole game. So it's like, I see kind of like Saudi Arabia. It's like it, if Tom and Jerry, if one of them won, if one of them caught each other, like men caught the women they're they're in, uh, in uh, what is it? The niqabs or their job, the hijabs. Um, yeah, so it's like okay, so on that point, masculinity uh, took it too far, took the game too far, right? And then I'm right now in in America, I think um, it's a, in the reverse. It's like women are catching the men, so it's like mm-hmm. the game, the Tom and Jerry game of the back and forth, one chasing the other, and one escaping, and one this and that, and then their pope's kind of playing around this kind of push and pull of these energies, this eternal push and pull. When that game breaks. Uh, society is in upheaval so you could see that our society is in, in upheaval too and uh, other cultures too so there there has to be this this whole game and they can never really catch each other so that's my yeah. take on it um what, what what do you think yeah it's funny there was an episode of the i can't remember the show what was it the coyote and roadrunner show what was that mm, looney tunes <laughs> yeah i know what you're talking about Apparently there was one episode where the coyote actually caught Roadrunner. And when he caught him, he was like, oh, and then he just let him go. He's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's actually crazy. So South Korea, I think, exemplifies the female catching the male idea the most. I gave an Uber to this guy and he told me he was from South Korea. And he was telling me that apparently in South Korea, you can get a check from the government for just being female. Hmm. Yeah. Damn. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's you know, crazy. obviously we need each other. So we just, we have trouble. Yeah. We do need each other. Yeah. Like we're misheard. We feel misunderstood and unseen and unrecognized. Like men want the pat on the back, the recognition, women want the understanding for, you know, all these other things, but there's a, there's just a lot of attachment when you say you are a, feminist it also means that you are intelligent right or you're empathetic or you're like you get it you're part of the in crowd and that's how any ideology is so it's like it's not just the thing it's the association with it and it's the ego man the ego just wants to identify and it can be good or bad you know the ego doesn't care as long as it's about you like oh i'm so depressed i'm so depressed look at me like i'm so anxious that's still the ego you may feel that way, but to attach so deeply to the identity is just that's just a game the mind wants to play. Okay, so back to that idea of like raw reality. So 
in your raw essence, if you strip life away from the business, the money, the the even the hobbies, little mm-hmm. ideologies, thinking about men, women, this and that, if you strip all that to its basic fundamental elements, what do you think is left? What do you think is a raw truth? Yeah, it is. It's much like the the animal chewing on the bone. It's okay. Yeah, the what is it called? The canto? No, canto is something else. Cohen, the Cohen of before enlightenment, carry water, chop wood. After enlightenment, carry water, chop wood. It's just the Maslow's hierarchy of needs you're talking about? No, no, no. Hierarchy of needs. No, so it's like when when you're enlightened, you're doing you just go back to your raw truth, right? Yeah, it's just, you just go back to your raw essence. It's like, oh, I need wood, I'm gonna go chop wood. I need water, I'm gonna go get water. The same thing with the animal and how they really personify it is um their aggression so they will just kill something and then bring it to you and like you know wag their tail there's just nothing they just kill the animal like that's it they had the drive to do it and they did it now as humans we have the prefrontal cortex so we can consider well it seems like some people do we can consider our actions and really decide but the raw truth i think is just your actual desires that are coming from you and it's hard to delineate because we're so out of tune with our own self you know the stomach is a brain your heart is a brain your heart if you're into heart math you may know um whenever happens your whole body's electromagnetic field changes right but when an event happens your heart is the first organ in your body whose electromagnetics change before your stomach. And so the heart is like the first responder, uh, you know, funny enough. Uh, your heart's like the first <laughs> responder to information. Um, and we just have to, I think, relearn how to listen and, you know, taste without swallowing other people's ideas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So uh, for me, it's this whole process of trying to get back to um, get back to that 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 state of being. That's kind of like it, my ideal. It has always been this. I've always had this vision in my head. It's like, what is life? What's the ideal like of life? And it's always just this, um, almost like if I'm under a palm tree, mm-hmm. and I'm just on, uh, in the sun. It's like a bright sun. I'm under a palm tree, and there's water whether it be a beach, whatever, I just imagine water, palm tree, bright sun, and like, like calmness, like that's life to me. That's like what life is. Right. When I when I think of like, just what's the best experience of life? And it's like, that's what it is. And if you think of you look at dogs and, and, and lions and yes, they have aggression. Yes, they have these things. But if you look at them in the, in the National Geographic, if you go outside, you look at your dog in the yard, Chill. it's like this He's chilling on the grass, you know, uh, punctuated by moments of hunger and thirst and then go back to chilling under the sun. And it's like, OK, so maybe that's reality. Maybe that's our raw truth. And uh, we just kind of convolute it because we're kind of afraid to sit with our own thoughts and and we're afraid to sit out and feel like, oh, shit, like we're just waiting around like we're too self-aware, maybe. But right. in reality, you know, we just have that that raw essence that's always going to be there. And I've always felt tapped into that. I've always felt tapped into that at the end. I've always felt. um just like a dog fucking laying around and uh people want 
instill shame in that. They want to instill like, oh, well, you should always be productive. You should always be this uh, go-getter and this and that. But uh, I think there's raw truth in in being okay with stillness. Yeah, um, I think it's people's own need to do it themselves. And it's sort of like apocalypto, how the father tells the son, you can't experience fear. You can't do that here. We just don't allow it. We're not into that thing. So if you have fear, you have to leave it outside of the tribe. And so I think when somebody being lazy, there's that sort of thing. It's like, it's dangerous because moods are infectious. So mm-hmm. don't do that because I really want to do that. And if you're doing that, it's going to make me more likely to want to do that. But I think, oh, okay, okay. I think the chilling thing makes sense, but also where we come in as humans is we understand our lifetime and we get the concept of lineage and having a dynasty. And so we may be chilling, but then it's like, Oh, what about my kids though? Like I can do, there's something else I can do to set up my partner my kids or myself for two weeks from now. Whereas the dog is moment to moment. And that's enlightenment, right? Like that's really tending to the self and not being so wound up. But humans, we have the gift of knowing that mm-hmm. we can do things and that we feel like we should, but it's not a necessity. But it's funny, you talked yeah. about um, the the analogy with the car mm-hmm. and how you felt like something was always going on. When you mentioned if the car's always on, you're losing fuel and mm-hmm. the the mechanics are also potentially getting fucked up, you know, every rotation of something or every firing of a piston makes it more likely to fail the next time because it's just you. So you only get so miles, so many miles out of a car, but also your battery could die. So just being tuned in all the time is dangerous because you could lose the battery. Your parts could mess up. You can lose fuel. There's all these things and there definitely is a necessity to chill out, but most people couldn't most people if they don't feel good now probably wouldn't feel amazing under the palm tree because they would still be on they would still be tapped in they would still yeah. need to take a picture to put it on instagram to show people how hard <laughs> they're t- i'm under the palm tree <laughs> yeah like i'm doing it i'm doing the thing right but uh what that actually sure. is is your sympathetic nervous system which is your fight or flight And it's always on. And unless you tap into the parasympathetic, then you will always be releasing stress hormones. And then it just cycles and cycles and cycles. And I think that's why society so seems to be so on edge is because they actually are. Their body's just filled with stress hormones. And so when they see the horse getting whipped, metaphorically, whatever it is, somebody cuts them off, then they snap. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. And also, just just to clarify, um, <laughs> I don't mean it in like a lazy way. <laughs> when you say like like being okay. under the palm tree, yeah, it's more like a um a conceptual um, I guess like I said, everybody has their own definition. When I say it. the word spiritual, sounds cliche, but it's like a more mm-hmm. of a it is like a spiritual conceptual um thing I hold in my head. It's like being able to disassociate it's like i go to that place like this is the raw truth i can disassociate it's not like i'm literally like under the palm tree but it's like everybody and that's what you said enlightenment is being able to disconnect 
And so that's essentially going to be the raw truth underlying everything. And it's always being able to tap into that in your, in your brain and your spirit and your soul, whatever. Yeah. And I, uh, so that's what I've always held true. And, um, the more stressed I got, the, I realized the more I lost that. And so the past two years, three years, I was really, for no reason, I just started taking things more serious. I was more stressed. And then I realized that, oh shit, I lost that part of me where it's like, I lost the raw truth that I had when I was a kid. I remember being a kid, I was like, okay, so I have no worries in the world. I lost the raw, the rawness and I've been trying to re re tap into that. So it's all just conceptual, spiritual. Um, yes, we gotta be, we gotta do things. We gotta instill like product, not necessarily product, well, productivity, yes, but not, um, that crazy urgency pressure all that crazy shit just uh you do definitely need to have that um drive to to that positive that upward upward whatever it is that upward momentum yeah because um yeah i had that i had that i don't know if it's a vision or is a daydream but i i got high one time i got really high one time just weed and i looked in the mirror you know when you're like like fucking fucked up and then you just look in the mirror and then you're just like looking at yourself weird and then i was like whoa like i <laughs> i just looked in the mirror and i'm like whoa i just had this crazy thought i'm like okay so if if positivity and negativity exists right so if positivity <laughs> negativity exists yeah um positivity always goes up okay so positivity is a broad truth is a realist truth that there ever is because if positivity and negativity exists positivity is always going up against something but it's so right. powerful that it exists in and of itself that it's always in that upward path so once you tap into that there's nothing more powerful than that positive like because going up that takes force and the fact that it just true it exists in in relative to negative it's like it's powerful into itself so there's nothing more powerful than that so there's nothing more powerful to tap into so that's kind of like i'm looking at myself oh shit um but I believe that. So yeah, exactly what you said. Like when you when you're talking about how like the the father is saying you can't feel feel fear, it's basically in a, in a way he's saying you can't feel negativity. You can't tap into that negative drive. It's pure upward momentum. Tap in. Right. It's not about. It's like you tap into that upward thing. We're all good. But once you start going into this downward thing, that's not true. You got to tap into the raw truth. Right. So it's like that that's that's kind of like this weird little thing i had and that's kind of stuck with me um yeah you know i feel like i'm in between because i feel there is so much merit to the go-getter grussel mindset like grind and hustle i think it's a little bit skewed like it's it seems to just be a personality type but i think that ambition actually is really worthwhile because for one thing it gets things done though the up it goes up but nobody's doing it which goes back to the focus and attention thing nobody's doing it and the chinese have a saying that when the yang is in ascendant the yin is born and the yin is negative it's dark it's the opposite of yang and uh you know like you say to your girl all right i need to go train i need to go to the gym she's like no come like sit down next to me let's cuddle that's the yin it's like no no, no mm. don't leave <laughs> don't go do that thing but you have to return back to it over and over. And because nobody's doing it, it makes it so much more powerful to actually go after it, which is a, another thing that I'm trying to, you know, put out there. Do you do Qigong? Qigong, no, but I, 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 um, I know I, I heard about it from your book, right? but it's that, uh, I looked up a few videos 
but I didn't ever put into practice. Sure. What is it? Uh, what, what, uh, I don't know. I just feel, um, maybe it's a self-conscious thing. I think it's a self-conscious thing. It's so hard. Bro, it's like, that's, that's such a big <laughs> part of it is that feeling means you need to do it. And that was such a big thing for me. My own voice was very stifled for a long time. And dude, I'll tell you what, Qigong blasted through it. Now it, you, you have to do it. My, you know, my words won't do justice and it's such an internal thing results but i'll probably send you a specific video that you could watch that'll give you an idea clearly because you'll be able to see it he brings up a like somebody who volunteers to showcase it um you'll see what i mean really but uh yeah i was really interested in it and i it was really interesting i just uh i really yeah it was that self-conscious aspect like i'm like okay so i'm gonna sit here i'm gonna do it in the bathroom okay so i'm gonna and that, but I didn't really know how to approach. It. I didn't want to know where, where to approach it from, like what angle. And I just try to Google a few, few, few videos. But yeah. that's true. I'll do it. Um, send me the the that clip, and and I'll, I'll start doing it. Okay. So what do you want to get off your chest? Like what 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 have you for the past few few days, few few a week or so, two weeks, whatever. What what has been on your chest? What has been on your mind? Yeah. So I I've been running the numbers for my investing, trying to figure out where this cycle ends, and I realized a rough estimate of how much I would make by the end of the year. And in that, I've been thinking about what do I want to do next from here? And I kind of touched on it earlier. I said that I made so many sacrifices to get to this point. And I thought when I was at this point, it would just be easy, breezy, like good to go. But it's different in ways I wasn't expecting uh, it's just like another puzzle to solve. So honestly, like three weeks ago, I would have had a totally different answer. But in the past two weeks, I've been thinking so much about what I want to do for the next really like three years. And it's that's had my focus. And I'm not entirely sure what my answer is. My birthday was a couple days ago. So it's also very real to me. I'll be 30 soon. I'm 27 now, but it does come quick. And there's so many things that I feel like I need to attend to. But man, it's so funny because, oh man, there's, yeah, it's just, it's just out of my focus. You know, there's a lot of things that I had on my mind, a lot of projects I wanted to create. <sighs> just been busy thinking about my own family and shit. Just a lot of personal stuff, man. Honestly, I know I need to learn a, <laughs> martial arts all this shit <laughs> oh you just have a you have this pressure of uh, possibility you have too many possibilities yeah but too many things yeah. not how it, i've because i've experienced like paralysis by analysis before this feels sort of different and it's not even like oh no i'm worried i'll make the wrong choice i'm not sure how i would put it into words but there's so much i want to do and sometimes i get caught up trying to satisfy a part of me that is telling me I need to do something. So right now I'm at my parents, you know, I was on a road trip for four months and I came back and I had plans to keep traveling. And that was last year in uh, March and then lockdowns happened. So I've just been chilling at my parents since. And then sometimes that eats away at me. And I, you know, I so badly want to put out the content that I have in my head 
But then I get in my own way and I'm thinking about maybe, you know, maybe people aren't considering it. Maybe people aren't taking a look at it because I'm not like I'm not flexing enough, you know, like I live with my parents and maybe that allows people to out. So trying to figure mm. out like, man, what the fuck I'm supposed to do? Uh, you know, it's just like a puzzle to solve. I see this an exciting thing and it's not like this big pressure, but. But it's just like it keeps uh, cycling through your mind. I, I feel the same way. I, I'm in the exact same um, boat, I guess. Well, I guess we're in a sim- similar boat. Um, same thing. It's like um, this whole process of, okay, so how much do you reveal about yourself? How much do you, how do you, like you, you ha- I have things I want to make too. You have a lot of things you want to make how do you convince how do you get eyes on it and then there's this whole aspect of um okay i want to be practical too i want to use the tools that are at my disposal i want to if i have to at this point in my life if i have to make three second tiktoks well then i'll do i'll figure it out and i'll make my own way If, if if it's um okay well maybe i don't have to look at every analytics all the time maybe i just close my eyes and post close my eyes and post and have this grander vision which is okay my grander vision for the podcast for having three podcasts uh, was um this whole idea like you basically described it too it's this uh archive it's um okay so if 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 we're all going to have our own slice of the internet i'm going to have mine and i'm going to use this platform even if if it could be a business even if it could be good for me it's going to be my own way of okay maybe if humans around 2000 years the internet's around these podcasts will be floating around in 2000 years and this is my archive this is my meditation this is my marcus aurelius writing to himself fucking do this this and that right so that and maybe in a modern sense or obviously that's a very big statement to make but in a in a weird way that that makes sense to me and that's kind of uh what keeps it pushing but i do find that i do um feel the same way and what so you said that like you're not flexing enough like what 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 elaborate on that like yeah you, like you know i could enough. be doing crazy shit like it's just there's so there's this concept that i somebody was posting about one time where we're basically in a vibe war and there's all these different competing ideologies, but they all have their own vibe. And it kind of relates to the new sphere. You know what that is? New cycle or the new, new, like, new, new sphere. New sphere. No, yeah. I don't know. What that is. So it's a sort of physical, non-physical realm of thoughts and how the predominant thought has a sort of weight to it and it affects the umwelt. Like I mentioned, you know, it's like what we're all thinking about actually plays in. It's kind of like the hundredth monkey effect, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I, I get, I get you. Right. Like, so the like news, when a thinker the yeah. is like the earth's whole uh, thing. consciousness. And then Rupert Sheldrake talks about it as a morphogenetic field. If you're familiar with that concept, it's like every, it's like every idea is a cloud And every time a human thinks about it, they add their thoughts to that cloud. And it's why when something new exists, it's so hard or it takes so long for the first person to get it. But then 
50 years later, people can do it casually because in the beginning there was no field established, but now our brains, which are basically like antenna, we can just like ping to it. But um, the archive thing, crazy, man. Somebody said one time that there's probably a quantum internet. So consider the internet that's out there for a solar system. Like if we have one on earth, then it's probably possible that another civilization created one for the Milky Way, you know? Um, and like what, what, and what does that mean? Like, what does that entail? Like in that? So imagine, um, okay. Imagine, you know, the expression that history, uh, yeah. History is written by the victor. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what if there were I view from a third party? So instead of you're getting a winner or a loser perspective, you're just getting a bystander perspective. That's just one thing. So if we were to tap into an internet that existed outside of human contribution, we would be getting a viewpoint that is entirely alien to our own. And it would just be so unique, but it's also like the archive then becomes gigantic. But I go back to the flexing thing. I feel like, and this could just be me telling you myself this, you know, trying to dig into the underdog or unseen, unheard feeling that I have had in my life, which is that people don't place weight on the suggestions because I'm living with my parents, because I drive for Uber, because I, you know, present myself in a certain way where I could drop you know, a good amount of money to just flex. And because we are social creatures, somebody will then look at it and be like, oh, now I can take consideration of his financial advice because he just bought a Balenciaga, you know, shirt. I don't even know if they make shirts, but people won't give credibility until they decide like, oh, now it's worthwhile. Like there's this expression Oftentimes your friends won't congratulate you until they see strangers do. And so it's like, oh, maybe I need to flex more so that um, people can see somebody else taking it serious so that they'll take it serious. And it's so that I could be in the vibe war, again, trying to build out this culture uh, for that future (laughs) where we connect back and it's more tribal and city states and uh, nation states become the casual thing instead of there's just one way and it's like we elected this type of person so for now four years we all have to play by these certain rules instead of you know the community likes it this way i think you're already on that on that path you're already on the right track um especially with when you said about um convincing and flexing and all these things how we were talking about show don't tell right um in a very simplistic way people do want to um be convinced by these materialistic things especially like how you said like they in that way yes people are successful and people can be convinced but in a grander sense how to convince societies is through uh storytelling film Mm -hmm. so you're on the right track if you were going to convince people of your ideas you you would distill them and you show them on a screen and that's the most convincing way and it's like the direct path is always the most clunky path it's like a professor lecturing you telling you what to do a lot of people are going to tune it out but if you are constructed beautifully into a story into music into this cultural narrative 
where it's like if you look at a culture, how people are convinced of culture, it's you have musical aspects, you have storytelling aspects, you have personal aspects, you have comedy, you have film, you have all these things that are creative culture. And it's not just a person telling you this is our culture. It, this is what we do. It's 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 shown through the things you do. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're already on the right track. You just distill that and create that and put that into your art, put your ideas into it. And and you don't have to spoon feed it. People will just receive it in like inception. It'll just download into their brain when they watch it so that's the most effortless way (laughs) a little and it's like yeah it's just putting it's like it's like that and um yeah there's nothing more true than that so yeah i guess the most clunky path is the most direct but for a very small group of people we enjoy that you know you enjoy that i enjoy that i enjoy the direct path the the listening to you on your podcast breaking down a book that is, I, I, there's a very select group of people. Not not everybody's cut like that. Most right. people want to go watch a, a movie and they want to they want to learn that way. Listen to music, they get uh, brainwashed through the music. So those indirect paths are probably how you want to convince people. And um, in a, in a way, you, you're already doing it. And also, um, there's this other point that I was going to make about that, but. I I roughly kind of figured that out too in my experience with media, with, with media. It's like, I want to convince people of these things that I believe. So how do I do it? Art. What's the biggest weapon of the Catholic church, Christianity art? Like what, what's these biggest, it's art, it's artwork. It's, it's making things and Mm -hmm. it's giving it to people and they just download it. And it's, um, yeah, there's nothing more true to that. that. It's just hard to survive off of that. Um, in a, in a practical sense. So that's yeah. kind of the other aspect I'm trying to figure out right now. It's like, how the fuck do I turn this shit into a practical uh, survival <laughs> skill <laughs> right. instead of just brainwashing? So it's like, uh, yeah, so I have to do the switch, but, and you're kind of on the other side, you're like, okay, well, I'm surviving now. I have to do the switch into the convincing aspect. And we're kind of like on the same paths. We're just flipped because I need to f- focus on what you're making, like, the money aspect and you need to focus on the, the um, narrative aspect or the storytelling aspect of your ideas. And honestly, it is, it's kind of frightening when people start to listen to you, even in a, in a little way, at least for me personally. Right. Cause I, 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 for my podcast, the things I'm saying, I'm like looking at little behaviors that people are doing around me and at least people close to me. And it's like, they're kind of listening to me. They're kind of convinced about this shit I say. And I'm like, oh shit. Like it kind of puts like, I don't know shit. Like what the right. fuck? I just like talking. I just like saying things. But obviously I, I, I'm i just downplaying myself because I, I sit and think a lot because that's how I'm wired to do. That's how I've always been since I was a kid. It's not like I'm sitting here, you know, you just lean into your strengths. Like you always, you wrote out in your book too. You just lean into your strengths. So if I'm naturally a daydreamer, I have to figure out what, how to lean into my own strengths. Mm. And, um, but it is frightening when people do start start you see it a little bit so it's kind of it's kind of almost like oh wait just i just want you to double think what i just said because i'm still not fully sure what i just fucking said <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah dude. how do you feel about that <laughs> for sure i think every time i put out an episode i'm like ah oh, fuck i should have i should have clarified point or i misspoke on this thing and then even when i put out the book like even now because i i read about four books a month and i every book i read i'm like fuck I wish I would have waited to put the book out, but then, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it's like, I told you for the, your idea you were talking about when we mentioned, um, or when we were chatting on Instagram, you just have to do different iterations and it doesn't, it doesn't really matter 
and part of it is like the ultimate thing like it doesn't matter at all right like we're just a blip so like it doesn't matter at all <laughs> but in yeah in a, in a very real sense it does because that's your whole life like for the time you're here that's all that that is the most important thing mm-hmm. uh, yeah there is this i think it's from the i ching <clears throat> this idea that I guess I didn't fully like recognize until I read it. And it's in the 33 strategies of war. Robert Green mentions it and has it in one of the side stories. If you've ever read one of his books, you know, like how they're structured. He has stories on the sides of the pages and the margins that are like um, clippings from other works. And oh, okay, yeah, I think I've seen yeah. Yeah, I think this this one was from the I Ching. It was talking about how there is in everything a point of maximum effort and a point of maximum ease. So there's always some angle you can approach something where it will be the absolute hardest, and then there's an angle you can approach where it's the absolute easiest. Like if you just drop a rock you know, through the air, it'll fall straight down. But if you were to, you know, drop it onto sand and expect it to go much, much deeper, it's not going to happen. But as it relates to the whole video thing, I'm just trying to figure out what that is so that I get out of my own way. But um, yeah, dude, there's, there's so much to say there. And it's funny because the other day you were like, yeah, just do more stuff with just like talking. And when I put out the story that I put out yesterday, um, I got two people who messaged me from it and that like doesn't really ever happen. And I was like, ah, interesting. But I get so caught up because, you know, I think, I think people acknowledge that I'm doing well. And especially as time goes on, it becomes more clear. But I think it gets obnoxious, uh, especially mm-hmm. because the culture right now is so uh, idealizing the entrepreneur and the the underdog or the lone wolf. <clears throat> and there's this line I heard that's, um, it's like genius is treason, and enlightenment is treachery or something. Um, oh yeah enlightenment is profane genius is treason and enlightenment is profane and it's like people are turned off to it in a in some sort of way <sighs> yeah just trying to just trying to figure that whole shit out man but we're both young i think you know we want the right things and we'll get there the other day i think i messaged you and i said i'm like oh i'm over here being this artsy photographer and i'm ignoring the truth mm-hmm. all right so i'm over here trying to impose my truth onto people and i'm like i i'm i you think oh well, this is not working i'm over here trying to be an artist people don't care people don't are don't care about what you're passionate about necessarily so you, you when you do art you do it for yourself and yeah. you don't ever have put expectations on others to cherish it or to worship it you do it for yourself and if people find value in that they find value in that whatever i don't mind that the thing about um business and practicality and things like that Yes, there is a truth in our culture now, like with people like yourself and me when we're like, have our own successes in our own way, because I'm not uh, successful in terms of business, but I'm successful in my own personal values in my how I make things I create things and I'm unorthodox in my own way, but I'm successful in that I'm healthy, most people are kind of unhealthy, I run a lot, I do these things and 
I carry myself well. I fucking, I mean, obviously these are self-aggrandizing things, but I mean, I, I'm going to tell my own truth. Yeah. So, uh, and, and obviously this rubs people the wrong way. When you say things and you could, you could stand in your own truth and it's not that you're trying to put people down, but you also don't need to um, hide, but there's also a practical aspect of, okay, so how much can I, um, how, cause there's a certain point in time where you are situated well enough in yourself that where your mere existence is like intimidating to others or a threat to other people. And that makes people feel very bad about themselves. And I, I, I've been aware of this. Like I've been aware of like, I I feel very guilty sometimes where, where, when like you see, cause I, since I was uh, in a kid, um, seventh grade, I always got into clothing. Like the forums that I talked about earlier, how I was on forums, it was always clothing forums like hip hop, uh, streetwear yeah. forums. And, I gotta say and it's this. always about, keep going. I'm going yeah. to grab something. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, it was about like streetwear, uh, uh, the new releases and, and this type of denim, this type of this, this and that. So that kind of, I've always been well, well, uh, kept in that manner, well groomed. And so when you're well, when you care about your appearance in that way and um, not in a superficial way, but just, just as like a feng shui, like I care about putting myself together in a feng shui aspect because I can't think straight if I don't feel that way. If I don't take a shower, my day hasn't started. If I don't do this, it's like just energy being right. And it's like, that's how I've grown up and not everybody's like that, but that also makes people feel bad when you're just around sometimes, you know? So it's like, I notice I walk into a group of guys and uh, a lot of them could will respect me right off the bat. And a lot of them could be extremely uh, envious or aggressive because they're like, okay, so the, what is he trying to say? He's better than me just because he exists or whatever, you know, like what the fuck? It's like, I'm not even worried about that, but it's like, you see what people are worried about. And it's like, okay. Uh, it's, it's hard. And it's a hard thing to do when you're a person that puts yourself out there, you know, you're putting yourself out there. You're successful. You got your own successes. You got your own ideas and you're obviously a thinker. You obviously have different things. People wish they were that people wish they were, they were like you, people wish they had all these things. And I'm over here like sharing my artwork in this and we can't expect to be, you know, like we're like, people are going to be like, people are going to like ignore us and stuff like that. But, um, the thing that I have been getting at is that the, the comedy aspect. Okay. So the truth, the truth is, people's walls come down when you're funny <laughs> and yeah. I've always been a, a lighthearted funny guy, but I never shared that online. So now with the TikTok with this stupid shit, I'm allowing myself to be extremely silly and to be funny and to be stupid, like, and uh, stupid enough that I've had people, people, a handful of people unfollow me because I share TikToks, and it's like, well, I don't really care, but when you want to open people up, you want to break those walls down. You have to use a smile. You have to use humor. Uh, you have to tap into the language that is social media, which is humor. A lot of people who, who blow up, they're yeah, have humorous personalities. They're they're funny, and the the intellectuals that that blow up usually they have a network behind them. They have a, a prestigious position. They have a connection to a podcaster like Joe Rogan or they have a, this book that came out that got attention. So uh, thinkers only get up when they need, when they have a network or when they have a, like um, a profession, like a, a college professor or something like that. So yeah. I think you're obviously a thinker, you're a doer, but you're, but you're a, you're a thinker, you're thinking all these thoughts, philosophies, and you're doing it. And I, that's my nature too. So the the way we get attention is through 
having a network. So there's the real path may be either creating a, a substantial narrative like a film or some artwork that just by its nature captivates people and hits some raw truth. And that creates a, a, a like, a, I guess, an esteem of you. Um, or the comedy aspect where you just be yourself, be lighthearted, be charming, be funny, and put funny things out, be silly and um, and speak that language and be willing to speak that language. And then maybe that'll break walls down. And I've got, like you said, I got more people uh, responding to me, liking my stuff, people that never responded to me um, when I opened myself up and just allowed myself to be myself, really, because I'm lighthearted. I'm fucking like to fuck around, you know? Right. So, uh, but what were you going to show me? Yeah, yeah. So you'll appreciate this. You can see how big it is. Fashion. <laughs> That's yeah, it. The, the know, fashion book. In my hand, right? Like, <laughs> I grabbed what did you learn from that? But um, it's huge, man. It's like, let's see how many pages. This is like uh, 550 pages, but it's about, let me get a good page so you can actually see. Uh, flying too. So this is like, this shows the 1500s to 1560. And it's just like designs from that era. So it goes through time. Oh, that's badass. Um, I have two other ones. That's and badass. One of, one of the future podcasts I want to do is about fashion. But it's hard because that's the audio thing. Um, you know, and it's so visual. There's this idea that chunk humans into type of birds. And you can do it with like fish too. Um, but one way I heard it was birds. And I'm forgetting the fourth one. But it's like owl, pigeon hawk and dove maybe uh maybe pigeon isn't one anyways the is very hawkish right it's like aggressive go-getters ape types chads alphas and then the dove is very lovey dual the pigeon is just kind of like a neutral like overall norm like normie right mm -hmm. and then the owl is the intellectual the one who needs the to sage. engage in the ideas um and that's why the communication i felt was so big too i understood at work thing that you mentioned but um yeah maybe humor you know <sighs> social media is just you, so were you a funny guy were you uh, like a were you a, a funny guy oh, yeah, growing for up sure. no, it's crazy so like i i knew of you because i used to hang out with stephanie who's your sister uh mm -hmm. her angie and julia we would hang out with um, my two homies, Chris and Andrew, and maybe you oh, met. Okay, Chris. Yeah, yeah, Chris Robles. You have any conception of Chris? Like that was funny guy, really guy. funny guy. Yeah, right. So we were always in that. I think you know what it what it really was. You listened to my episode eleven on the podcast, so you understand like where it was coming from. But so much of it was me. Like so much of what got me to this point that I'm at was me trying to prove something. And now I have it, I get to step back and decide where I want to be from here. And what's so nice about investing or like making money without an intermediary is that I can't be canceled. Having said that, I'm very like, I don't know what people think that I think, but I don't broadcast a lot of my views, you know, and I think that's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, people, 
for whatever reason, and I've caught myself do it, especially when I was younger and I didn't understand. Well, that. like the controversial views, because I, I mean, I do think you broadcast a lot of your views in terms of like philosophies, but maybe oh, you're sir, talking sir. about like political views, like political right. views, social, political. Okay. I'm just like piling okay. on that. And I, what's dangerous, I think a lot of people immediately pick a side. Right when some event happens, they will make a post about it or a story or something, change their profile picture, whatever, and then also try and force feed it down other people. But yeah, that's a, that's a dangerous thing. But what's so nice is I've realized that I could, even though I would probably lose a lot of people's attention, which is like, okay, fine. You know, I was pretending to be a good little boy. Um, and I don't say I'm like a radical, but uh, I've realized that I could pretty much produce like whatever and I can't be canceled, you know, like Bitcoin doesn't care. Investing doesn't mm -hmm. care what you think. It's just going to do what it's going to do. And the so, platforms, they start caring, though, that like there's sure. they get That's like true. Alex Jones. But I'm talking about being silly, you know, just like doing stupid being shit. Silly, and yeah. like, again, nobody like I could do it because nobody cares, you know, or at least so it seems. But uh, it's a point. I think to myself at the same time, what really motivates me beyond like my own internal locus, I know that I'm doing these things because it's self-pleasure. I value it myself. I want to do them, but uh, I put it on social media in hopes that other people will appreciate it too. You know, I could just mm -hmm. make it, mm -hmm. but I put it on social media so everybody can see it and then say, good job. What's, amazing to me and it's so easy to overlook is how often i see a post or a profile and i'm like whoa this is fucking sick and i'll save it you know because you can save tabs mm -hmm. on instagram whatever or i'll take a snapshot i'll save it and then like never message the person or put a comment i'll just hit like but to me when i'm like in my bed looking at it i'm like whoa this is fucking sick like this is amazing and i have to remember that somebody could be viewing either of our content thinking or feeling that same way and only like it or i've seen things like i've laughed at something and then just scrolled right past it you know like mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. at the same time i it's like people really may be into what we're doing people may love it but they're just they just don't double tap for whatever reason but what you just said right now too also brought me back to this thing of um how we function in our position at the moment because this is only obviously things keep building we we build our position over time right in our life in a, in our social media position our our business creativity whatever but our position is the similar position that um in film and on many genres there's always the obscure right there's always these obscure genres but these obscure genres are actually the most pure forms of the actual thing so let's say filmmaking some a film like breathless right you've heard breathless uh, mm -hmm. well, well breathless is this french new wave film and uh french new wave so okay so generally speaking let's say okay so movies you're gonna have those entertainment movies with blockbuster movies so like avengers right so you're gonna have this that this made for the masses it's like commercialized but it's still like put a lot of production value a lot of talented people are making these things and it's very kind of like processed and like you know what you're getting like a it's an experience movie theater experience and so this is what people know about film and this is what makes money right and this is what people go to see but a director like this is somebody who directs a movie like that needs to be a studied person this person 
need to, the writers they all need to have study in this genre in film in writing and all this and um the things that they need to study to get ideas for their future projects are these obscure films from uh, from obscure filmmakers who may not be commercially successful ever who may not ever make uh an avengers who may not ever make a blockbuster movie but they're the pure forms of film that they're making the pure creativity the abstract the the films that may not even make sense at the end of it you have to watch it 10 times or something or it's super artsy super slow these things are basically like idea mills for people right. to come around so, so essentially me and you in our position right now we are these obscure films we are the idea mills so i've noticed in my photography because obviously i touch a lot about mexican americans and and mexican and because the city i live in is primarily mexican american in Santa Ana, California, or Santana, as they say, here is like a local, uh, more local way to say it. Uh, but they'll make fun of you if you say fucking Santa Ana. <laughs> I don't, I never give a fuck, yeah, yeah. but it is what it is. Uh, so right here, when I post my photography and things like that, there's other people who are like Chicano, Mexican-American photographers, not necessarily locally, but in Southern California, LA, things like that. And I notice they follow me. And I, even if they don't like my stuff, you don't, they don't interact with me. The way I do it is completely different from them. I do my own thing because I've already studied what they do. I've already studied the filmmaking aspect. I already studied the cultural aspect, took Chicano studies. I know what creativity people like me have done prior. And I know what I do is different. And I take a slightly different path. And I've noticed as time went on, people in this community, in this like photographer, Mexican-American photographer community, they, even if they never explicitly said it or or showed it they would take from me they would take ideas from me they would take uh these things and uh almost act like it was organic to them yeah and it's like well essentially i was just an idea mill so they say oh so he's doing this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna apply this here and that's good you know it's good but it's also um an erasure in a way because you feel like okay so i'm doing all this and i'm giving all these ideas and and i'm filling these people's ideas but they're not even reciprocating they're taking it so that's why you see a lot of artists like drake these big top artists they always get like shit on or they always get a uh, controversy behind them from from taking from these artists that are like barely starting off because right. they're scanning the <laughs> environment the top dogs are always scanning the environment they're always like Who's out here? Who has something that I, I see in them? And what can I take from them? So this guy's doing this over here. I'm over here. I'm take that first before he blows up. And I'm going to put in my shit. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you see Drake, a lot of times Drake would hop onto these 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 young rappers songs and the, 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 the new wave, the new sound, the new beat. And that's what gives you back to the French new wave is French new wave is um, like in the 60s, 70s. There's this whole aspect of we're going to break the rules of film. Filmmaking has no rules. Uh, we're going to take, like, before that, there's a studio system. There's a filmmaking studio system where everything's very cookie cutter, almost like stage plays, mm -hmm. almost like just recording stage plays, very formulaic, very processed and all that. And then French New Way is like, we're, we're, we're running gun. We're, we're going to do a close-up on the back of somebody's head. We're going to do these edits that don't make sense. We're going to not, there's no narrative. There's no beginning, middle. It's like emotion. It's pure, like, it's almost... It's I would say jazz because I keep saying jazz, but it's almost not even like jazz because jazz still has this mathematics behind it. It's almost just like revolution in a way. 
So that's what Breathless was, and that's what Breathless is. And most people who can watch movies, they'll know the importance of things like that and don't know how much you can take from a movie like that, how much ideas are seeded into that that influence every person that comes after that. So when somebody goes through your profile, somebody goes through your book, your book could your book has seeded ideas into me already and um your podcast and and our profiles would do that to the people around it and uh, it's just a matter of of understanding that that's happening and understanding that uh within our positions not having so many eyes on us that's always going to happen like the the next time you put out that new thing that new fresh sparkling idea Somebody's going to latch onto that and they're going to make it their own. They're going to act like they made it and they're going to share it too. And that's what I've seen happen too. Yeah. But um, I think the answer to that is really just continue being true to yourself, continue being true on your path and people eventually the truth will reveal itself. You know, if you're, you're really the originator of these things that'll reveal itself. There's nothing more true than that. And uh, it'll grow organically. So I don't think you should stretch too much about like the recognition or anything like that it, it'll happen <laughs> right yeah it's um it's a wild times you have any 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 last key points no you know man my mind has just been so focused on what i want to do next it's caught me off guard and this conversation has happened a couple times because a month ago there was so much flow and there was a multiplicity of ideas and now it seems like things have really narrowed. So, so much of my thoughts keep going back to just what happens like in the next three years. But for this one, man, I'm glad we did it. And because I'm so used to being on my own, I need to get better at segmenting my ideas. So it's so easy to just like keep going and like idea, 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 you know, Um yeah, we have the post hesitation podcast went to that similar similar thing that probably you're going through now, I guess what you're explaining, but you you seem you seem good, man. You seem pretty good, uh, natural. It's not um, it's just your own. You just I think you're on your own head too much. If if you're saying oh, if yeah. you, maybe you feel that way, you don't you don't appear that way. I'm, I'm not saying you appear that way, but you may be in your head. You're thinking you're 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 oh, too in your head. Oh yeah, but I've been I've been there and. Um, in reality, because your your podcast is very like book oriented, very like uh, structured, and that's great. Very, you know what you're gonna say. You hit the points, and you 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 pump it out. But yeah, conversation. I realize that it's good for me because you 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 uh got to think of um you fracture your ideas up like you just said. You have, but you you put them into digestible sentences and digestible things, and you just kind of have that floating around. And it's it's a process, but when I go to sleep, whatever, I'm like, okay, that's a good idea. I'm going to fracture it. I'm going to keep it floating around. And then maybe sometimes in the conversation, it'll pop up and you, you could plug it in, plug and play, right? So you yeah. just have all these ideas bouncing around that they're plugging in play. So it's like a, an idea is a Lego and it, it's like fully formed already. You just have to regurgitate it, plug and play. And then though that kind of creates all these other spider webs and that's a conversation. And, and so that's what I like with, um, that's what I learned from her. Cause I re- remember, I remember having the mic and having, her sitting in front of me and feeling this self-awareness and feeling this uh self-aware of my voice self-aware of my thoughts self-aware of of everything and uh i, I as i just got into it kind of loosened up and now i could just talk on on a go and um uh, it's actually happens very fast so i think this 
this one episode, you probably, I, I, I didn't notice anything odd or anything like that. I think. Yeah, no, just, I just know for myself that I can go on. <laughs> you know, there's so many ideas. Like, there's so much to say. There's so many episodes that don't make it uh, just because I want it to be structured. And I did one as a mind dump one time, but it just felt like so almost nonsensical. It was just like me talking. Um, and that's kind of what I felt like this one would end up being. Man, yeah, it's a, I think, so for my interview, I had a piece of paper and I wrote things down as it went on. I underestimated how useful that could be in a conversation because like you said at one point you were like oh there's 10 things i just thought of 10 different directions and that happened almost every time you know as going back and forth so i think next time it'll it'll definitely make sense to use pen and paper but uh yeah yeah for this one man it was it was good because it was something different and it forced me to uh you know generate ideas in a different way which I think that's is, good, gonna, you know, this whole skill transfer thing. It'll help me in all the other uh, podcasts. Now let's. Yeah. Also, yeah. Don't forget the power of, of, um, of cutting, cutting and editing. Um, a lot of times you, a lot of times the, 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 this sort of free form conversation, it, it is kind of hard. You do have to package it. So I, I right. kind of try to just keep a mental map. So I'm like, okay, so, I could put this right here, this right here, this right here. And you realize how easy it is actually to seamlessly blend words. Oh, yeah. It's like um, you, you, you're like, okay, so this kind of can tie to this. And you, you could just let yourself run free. And then later on, you say, okay, I'm going to cut this and put this one right here, this, this right here, this right here. And so you have the power at the end of the day. You have the full oh, editing yeah. capacity to, to make it real. So that's, that's another thing that takes the pressure off my weight in the moment. Because right now we just went on a bunch of different tangents. Like if I want to, I could cut this whole thing off because this whole self-reflection. Right, right. I, I cut it off. I could whatever. And that's freeing. That's very freeing. So it allows you to riff. So if you wanted to riff 10 different things, like you said, riff 10 different things and then cut nine of those out whatever sure. i mean it's more work it's not it's not maybe not more practical for more people but if you want to if you want to that that's just these are just things that help me on the way um and we obviously approached it slightly differently but we're doing similar things yeah right because i never edited it i've never done that i've always gone straight through so i think as we were doing this i was thinking oh shit you know oh shit. i hadn't even considered that Although it wasn't even like, oh, I can't. I just hadn't even considered that I can totally splice. And if, like you said, we go off for 20 minutes, it's fine because that could be the fuel for the next part that I do want to keep in, mm -hmm. clip out the 20 minutes. But, exactly. Yeah. And right here I have a, my, 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 my software uh, audition. I don't know what kind of software you use, but there's this there's this thing called markers. And um, yeah, if, yeah, I just yeah. hit, if I hit the, the M key, it just leaves a marker. Right. So at the end, I'll have a bunch of markers and I was, I don't even know what it is, but I'll go in and I'll just listen to that little segment. I'm like, okay. So I marked this for a reason. I'm that might as well. Some, there's probably something that I wanted to cut out. So I'll just keep checking the markers and it's just a little small, little workflow things. It's just a workflow. I think it's not, um, cause you, that's all you have to really figure out. You just have to figure out a new workflow. Right. Um, as far as what you've been explaining, Cause yeah, I went through that whole workflow process and I wish I was actually you, I wish I could be uh, more so like 
write it all out and then do it all in one thing because I'm more of a like chaos fucking I'll figure it out when I edit it <laughs> and it's uh you probably you probably save a lot of heartache so maybe this might not be your path because there is a lot of heartache in editing to be honest with you there's a lot of uh nitty-gritty uh, so maybe maybe you don't want to edit maybe you don't want to edit it's but crazy you with the <laughs> audio editing because you have you literally have to listen to each point to find the mm-hmm. sweet spots but yeah man I'm, I'm glad to do it i definitely want to do another one i think like you said i have to maybe incorporate my structure just so that uh maybe it only appeases myself you said you didn't notice anything good or bad which is good but um yeah i like i said i've never done the conversation so just learning experience and then the next time i think it'll be a lot cleaner and then also i won't be in the headspace i'm in because it's kind of really to be I didn't realize it, I guess, until like kind of this conversation that it is I'm preoccupied with uh, like a certain set of thoughts. So, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to when I'm more free and I can go more chaos. Give them your Instagram, give them your, your things you want to leave off on. Yeah, man. The Instagram is Leo that lion, L-E-O-T-H-Y-L-I-O-N. And the podcast is Lion's Den. If you just search Lion's Den Charles Meyer, that's probably the easiest way it'll pop. There you go. Formless Archives. This is going to be Formless Archive YouTube. My Instagram, M-A-D-D-E-R-A, Eddie. And uh, this was a good, good podcast and we'll do it again. Yes, sir.